You're listening to the Spiro Avenue Show. If you like what you hear, please follow us on Apple Podcasts. You can also watch our full shows and clips and highlights on Facebook and YouTube. Thank you for watching, and I hope you enjoy. It's quite a red carpet that we like to roll out for the guests here. I always joke that it's kind of like giving a a amateur, like student driver a Ferrari. Like I don't really deserve all this stuff. (laughs) You know, it's like it's a little bit nicer than I probably even need, but it's cool and it's just a good place to hang. And ideally, talk about Michigan State, but we run the gamut here. All are welcome, but your focus is Michigan State, especially basketball. I know you kind of dip into the football pool a little bit too, but you're a basketball guy, right? I would say primarily the basketball. Obviously, uh, started the site. I don't even know how many weeks it's been. It seems like time is a straight line at this point in the quarantine. Um, I think a little under two months. Um, but I had the idea of wanting to maybe just give the fans something a little bit that wasn't out there. Um, we have great coverage between you know the Detroit News guys and the Lansing State guys, as well as Brendan Quinn with Athletic. Um, but I wanted to just have a one-stop shop for fans to be able to come and get their Michigan State basketball content. Maybe a little deeper dive into some of the, you know, the stat-driven stuff. Um, sports have now become so stat-driven. You see it in baseball. It's bleeding into basketball a little bit with Ken Palm, Bart Korvik, some of the other stuff. And I wanted to make that a little bit more approachable for fans. I wanted to provide a little bit more of um, film breakdown and some stuff that just wasn't really out there. Um, so we gave it a shot and, uh, you know, the response has been wildly, um, encouraging and we're really excited about that. So the, the thing that I was kind of psyched to see coming from you guys at Spartan Hoops right out the gate is these interviews you're landing with recruits. Like, I don't know how you're doing that. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't, not to reveal your secrets, but, uh, I, I think you're bringing something that's not really out there. At least that I haven't seen on any great level. And I think you guys have come out like a ball of fire. I mean, you guys are doing great right out of the gate. I want to talk a little bit uh, about a lot of stuff, and this might be a weird place to start for some people, but I want to start with this. Joey Hauser. Yeah. I have never been so excited for a transfer in the history of Michigan State Athletics that I am for Joey Hauser, and this is a guy that was like basically streaking in his neighborhood when Aaron Harris committed. Where do you stand on Joey Hauser? Obviously, very good freshman year at Marquette, impressive, one of the best shooters I've seen. I don't think Izzo has ever had a guy like this, this style. I mean, am I, am I crazy? No, you're not. Um, we did a deep dive into him. We have a couple articles up. Um, I think when I was looking back at it, um, guys that shot from three in the free throw line like him, I believe there was only a couple in the history of the program. Goran Sutan had one year, and I believe A.J. Granger was the other guy that had the similar stats in terms of um, free throw and three-point combination most natural three-point shooter that maybe we've had since Bryn Forbes and to have it in a package where he's 6'9", the ability to get to his spots patiently off the dribble. I'm 100% with you. I think he's going to be an absolute stud for Michigan State this year. Um, I'd lean towards him being probably the second leading scorer behind Watts. I think that he's going to be up there in the rebound category and just generally um, the whisperings from the program were last year, if he would have been eligible immediately, he would have been an instant plug and play. And they believe that you know they would have been national championship type contenders. Obviously, we ended up not getting you know the March Madness due to COVID, all the rest of it. Um, but they think that they would have been stronger in the beginning part of the season. Maybe we wouldn't have gone through the struggle that we saw that team do. Um, obviously there was a bunch of growth that went on, particularly from Lee Paul. And so I think there were some benefits for having him sat out a year, maybe a blessing to disguise. Now we kept our fingers crossed that we get a season this year, but all around, I think Joey Hauser is going to be a very welcome addition, not somebody that we've seen in that power forward spot with his ability to shoot in a little while. So I'm really looking forward to him being part of the team this year. He's, he's one of, and the thing no one talks about that I've heard really, except you, um, is the passing game for him. I mean, he is one of the better passing bigs that I saw as a freshman, just I think instinctively. I think he brings an element that, again, I don't think we've seen in this program quite to this extent. 
And I look at, you know, somebody like Adrian Payne, who obviously different player, but both tall, both could shoot threes. And just, but in terms of their progression, Adrian Payne was considered by some, I don't know where you stood on it, kind of a bust as a five-star guy. Didn't really do much his first year at all. Second year, not very impressive either. And then he started to, to make that jump in year three. And then year four, he popped. He was one of the best players in the country. So we didn't really see Payne make an impact till year three. Hauser stepped on campus for five seconds at Marquette and was impressive. Different level of competition. But I, am I crazy to think that he has a ceiling if he gets the touches of being a 18, 19, 20 point a game guy in this first year? I don't think I'm crazy. I don't think you're crazy. I'm not sure he's going to get those touches. I think Watts is going to be a relatively high volume shooter and score. I think that Henry is going to take some of those shots. Um, you kind of just look at what else is around it. Langford ends up being 100% healthy. He's going to get some shots. Gabe Brown's going to be there. I think they have a really balanced team. So will Hauser be able to get enough touches to get up there? I'm not sure about that. I see him maybe closer to 14, 15 point and maybe Watts in that somewhere to 16 to 18 point range. Um, but I do think that, you know, touching on his passing ability, he is going to be a guy they're going to lean on. Obviously, Xavier Tillman kind of filled that role as a big last year for the squad. Winston leaving is going to have just a ton of production needing to be replaced in the playmaking field. And I think that Hauser will be able to give some of that this year. I think, I mean, you mentioned in your answer Rocket Watts. Uh, speaking of Rocket Watts, one of the most tantalizing players that I've seen come through there and really in the Big Ten in recent memory I will say that I've never seen a guy look so terrifying in some moments, and in other moments, he's like airballing layups, literally. Like, he actually had multiple airball the layup attempts this past season. I, I Talk about Rocket Watts as a ceiling. Is he a Big Ten player of the year type ceiling? Because I don't think that's crazy either, and this is going to be, I'm going to be accused of being a homer. This is the homer room. But I think his level... Uh, uh, his dynamic scoring ability, he could be a 22-23 point per game guy, and there haven't been that many in Izzo's history. Yeah, I think in total in Izzo's history, there is only one guy that has eclipsed 19 points per game, 25 years plus. Um, so does he reach that height? I don't know. Um, but I think that if you know you look at the way that he likes to shoot it and the fact that Izzo gave him a green light with really hasn't done with a ton of freshmen. Um, he kind of struggled in the beginning part of that season. Some of it was due to that lower leg injury where he just didn't have the lift. Um, he kind of fought through that, sat out for a period of time. Maybe his shot selection got slightly better as the season continued. And then I think what you saw towards the end of the year is really what he can give you at the beginning part of this year, which is the ability to put the ball in the hole in big moments. A guy that in game-shifting moments when you know, the game's on an edge and you see them pushing back. They have a lead and he pushes it back out or they're cutting into it and they just need that big three and he hits it. I think that he's a gamer. He's got that edge. He has that swagger. We really haven't had a guy as a lead guard in that in a little bit. Love Cassius Winston, obviously a legend, um, but he was a softer spoken type player. He's a softer vocal guy. And I think Watts is going to kind of take on that mantle, um, just that edgy, hard player that we haven't maybe seen in a little while. So can he be a big time player of the year? I think Luca Garza is really going to get fed nonstop. So it's going to be hard perhaps to eclipse that. I like Io Desumu for Illinois as well. Um, I think Franz Wagner is also going to have some opportunity to push that. Can Watts have the production to be able to be in that conversation? I think so. Yes. I, I just think he's, I mean, he's just, Unreal. Like when he's on and he does that step back three, I mean, he's just, he's terrifying. And if he makes a leap and God forbid for the rest of this league, the, the conference sticks around for two more years. I mean, can you imagine Rocket Watts as a junior? Uh, you, you mentioned having that dog mentality. I, the last show I did before COVID collapsed the universe and broke all of our hearts and, and just shattered our little Spartan hearts into a million pieces. The last show I did was that Cassius Winston is the dog we've been looking for. And we waited for four years, as good as he was, arguably the best player in the history of the program after Magic Johnson. Number two, I would argue, had he gotten the national title, it would have been in Sharpie. 
But we never, despite all that, despite all the credentials, the banners in the, in the sky, we never really saw the snarl from him that I thought the situation sometimes called for. And we finally, after 3.75 years, saw it right at the end of the season. When I think it was the, the Penn State game, but they're down there rallying. And Tom Izzo is breaking his own fingers on his hand, calling a timeout. And Winston waves him off, gets him into a good set, drops it. They uh, drops a nice dime. They score. Game back in hand. They stop the bleeding. And Izzo is screaming at Winston on the sideline. And Winston gets right in his face and it's giving it right back to him. And it's like, who the hell is this guy? It took Winston forever to get to that point. And I, I look. Again, his credentials, he's beyond reproach as far as I'm concerned. I'm not knocking him. No one's perfect. The one thing that drove me nuts was he was a little too nice at times. He finally got it. Rocket Watts has that now. And I, I, I do, do you not see that he could be that dog right now. I don't think we have to wait three more years to see it out of him. And that's what I think this team lacked. With all that said, I want to transition. Last year, this past year that got canceled, I mm-hmm. talked to Matt McQuaid. He was in here uh, about a week ago. He told me on the air and off the air, he really believed. Now, he wasn't on the team, but he was watching. He knows those guys. He knows who was saying that he thought that team could really win the whole thing. He really believed that. He thought they were peaking at the right time. That season goes off. This past March Madness never gets canceled. Does that team really uh, have a good shot to go all the way? Yes. I'm not, of all the past what ifs I think for me that may be the biggest and I know the tournament wasn't played they could have lost the first weekend and we wouldn't be sitting here everyone knows that that's always the caveat right it is um but that team had the goods a generational type point guard a big man that controlled the back line of the defense was super smart great passer a great teammate um Rocket Watts is coming on. Aaron Henry, who struggled for a large part of the season, finally comes on the last five games and really hones in and focuses. They just had all the pieces, in my opinion. I mean, would they have benefited from maybe having a Joey Hauser type of guy, a pick and pop in there who could have shot three a little bit better? Yes. But defensively, they were forcing their way into the top 10 to the Kempom. They were a top 10 offensive team. I just think that when you looked across the board, they were one of six to eight teams that you could have put some heavy money on to see win championship. That'll be, for me, one of the greatest one-ifs. If Izzo never gets that second title, that will be one of the greatest what-ifs to not get a chance to see Cash and him write final chapter. And that, that, that'll hurt me forever unless he gets one more. So I'm with you. It's the, it, it will always feel like the one that got away the one that we were cheated out of, it's, it's very tough to swallow. And again, it, it, going back, I, I refuse to watch it. But if I were to go back and see the, the sheer glee that I had sitting in this chair after that game, I said, thank God, they finally got it. It finally clicked. All the talent's there. You got the Hall of Fame coach. All the pieces, of, the ducks are in a row. But the team was just too nice, and they have Bible studies. I'm a Catholic. I'm not picking on them. But they have Bible studies on the weekends, and they're holding hands, singing Kumbaya with a guitar. Everything but the guitar part is probably true. They finally got the snarl, and then whoosh, it's gone like four days later. The season, just poof, it's gone. But the thing that's interesting, and, and this goes to show how good Tom Izzo is, that the criticism I'm hearing of Tom Izzo lately, the last few years, is how bad he is in the Final Four, which is just, it's like, please, may I have these problems for the rest of my life as a Michigan State basketball fan. But I do think it's, in the sense, valid uh, in that it's technically true. I mean, it's, you know, it's not untrue, but it's a weird criticism to levy, and it, it speaks to how good the program's been. I think the thing that no one really talks about, though, is this program has been closer to that second title than really anyone even acknowledges it. I mean, it's, it, there's, a, there's this view that Michigan State's been, uh, you know, always good and always in it, but like haven't really come that close. But if you run down the line, I'll go to my grave, and we'll start here because I want your opinion. I'll go to my grave saying that 2009 team that played in the Final Four in Detroit had the toughest path to a championship game in the history of college basketball, and I would challenge anybody to throw up a better option. You had the Pac-10 tournament champion in USC. You had the defending national champion with a lot of 
piece of stone place in Kansas, a two seed. You had the number one overall seed in Louisville in the Elite Eight. You had another one seed in UConn. You beat all of them. And then you run into, after all that, a super team in UNC, an absolute juggernaut. One of the best four or five teams in the last 20, 25 years. Very fair. I, I think that team is one of the best teams in Michigan State basketball history. You look at their body of work. The 09 team, you were at Michigan State, I think, as a student at the time, right? My last year. Looking back, I mean, that team, was that the best team that hasn't won it? Because I want to compare that to the 2014 team in particular, but we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, I really like that 2010 team, too. The Butler game. If Lucas is upright. If if Lucas plays. That's right. Um, that's tough. You know, obviously the 2019, I was actually at that game at Ford Fields way up in the nosebleeds for that one. And it was over in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. And Tyler terrible. Austin, Tyler Hansbro. They had like five NBA guys on that team. It was absolutely loaded. If it was a different year for that team to have run into a different situation, I mean, it's such a dice roll to win the whole thing. I think it really is one of the hardest things in sports to run the gauntlet, to run into various matchups the short day perhaps to be able to turn around and figure it out um you know that team's got to be up there for me um they had the beat they had the play three one seeds in a row and before that they had kansas and before that they had a solid usc team that you know travis walton's the only reason we got by that team if you remember but i i mean to me, that is not to answer my own question for you. Yeah, David. go ahead. It's all right. You can go ahead. <laughs> I mean, I love that team. That's, yeah. you know, I actually, I don't know if it appears on our camera or maybe Roberto uh, on his couch at home in his pajamas can pan out. But I mean, I have a Goran Sutan game worn jersey from that, <laughs> from that year, and, you know, uh, over my shoulder. Just absolutely love that team. But that team, look, at the end of the day, all those pieces of cloth in the sky are the same. No one in 50 years is going to look up at Chrysler Arena and see their runner-up banner in 2018 and think of it as any different than the 2009 banner. But I'm sorry. If we're looking at things realistically, and I'm just using Michigan as one example on the other extreme end of the spectrum, but that team was good enough to win most years. They had the most impressive five-game run leading up to a title game ever. Michigan was playing a bunch of crap you know, nine Red years later. In their, their yeah, and that's, the bracket. Yeah. and you know what? The door that's opened. The tournament. They that's walked the through tournament. it. That's to their credit. But there was nothing fluky about what Michigan State did. Michigan needed somebody missing two free throws to even get out of the opening weekend, you know, in a crazy shot. I don't want to make this about Michigan. I'm just saying it's the other extreme end of the spectrum. So for all this shit Izzo gets, that team had such an impressive run. 2010, I don't know if Izzo's ever gone on the record publicly with this. I attended a, an event at Michigan State. It was like a leadership training thing. It was kind of cool, but Izzo spoke to everybody. And I asked him after um, you know, the, the speech he gave, like, hey, you know, Draymond was fouled at the end of that game in 2010, right? He said, oh, absolutely, obviously, no question. I said, do you think that cost? He said, yeah, we win that game for sure. And he, what he was saying, and I've always said too, is you know, Draymond Green gets fouled there. He was clearly fouled. He was about a 70% shooter probably going to make one of them and go to overtime. If not, he makes it and barring a, a bomb at the end, you win. And that Duke team was a weak Duke team as Duke teams go. And they did all of this without their best player. So you have 2009, he's dealt the, the biggest war path in the history of college basketball, literally in terms of seeding, the hardest path ever. 2010, he loses his best player, the Big Ten player of the year on his resume. He goes down. He still gets that team to the Final Four. And it's basically, by any objective measure, screwed in the semifinal game where even Gordon Hayward in the postgame press conference is asked, hey, did you follow him? He, he does this little sheepish grin and acknowledges that he followed him. You know, everyone knows what happened in 2014. I think they have a nine-point lead, nine minutes left against that UConn. Tough. That's one of the other big what-ifs. That's right? my, my brother. That year was wide open, I think. You get past UConn. I think they win. I think that team wins if they get past UConn. My brother is a big fan of yours. I am more of a 2009 guy. He's more of a 2014 guy. But both those teams, they could have had it. And and honestly, no one even talks about last year, the 2019 Final Four. Look what they did. Texas Tech deserved to win. They were in the lead for most of that game. But Michigan State is down by one point with three minutes left when Henry cuts the basket, cuts it from three to one. They had McQuaid wide open to tie in, in the and corner. Cramp, yeah, he cramped. Exactly. Yeah. But they were, they were 
down a point at the end of that game with no Langford, and they didn't have him all year, but that's a guy that should have been there, if not for a bad break. Kyle Arns on the bench in a boot. Nick Ward at 25% strength. The, I, the point is, I think Izzo has had actually really bad luck, in my opinion, on the big stage. We talked about 20, 2009, no favors being dealt the super team and screwed in 2010. 2014, they deserved to lose, but I would argue Keith Appling being injured with a busted wrist was probably worth a point or two in that game. He was never the same after that injury. Great. So, I, I mean, where do you stand on Izzo? Let's put a bow on this. Okay. Where do you stand on Izzo's legacy? Does he need that second title to really stamp his legacy? Is it, are you going to feel in any way unfulfilled if he doesn't get it? Do you think that he would, which he would say yes? I think he would. He, he's chasing the white whale right now. He's the second title. He absolutely is. Um, you know, we'll look back. And will he be among the Coach K's and the Roy Williams? And, you know, look at even Jay Wright now. And some of that's luck and some of that's just, you know, kind of evolving some of what college basketball was and maybe keeping ahead of that, spreading guys out, including, you know, having five guys on the floor who all can shoot it. Nobody gets two titles in three years. And you're like, God, Izzo has just, you know, been struggling so hard to be able to get and climb that second mountain. And, I think that to a certain degree, it would be slightly unfulfilling. I really wanted to see him, but we're spoiled. I mean, we're obviously clearly spoiled as fans that we're complaining about not getting a second title um, when we've had so many trips to the Final Four. He's had such a nice run, um, but he really needs to cap it off. I think he's just, he's got to do it. He's got to cap it off. And I think that if you look ahead, maybe not this year, because this is going to be a shortened season probably if we get a full one. Um, are we going to be able to get all the pieces in place to really make a run at it? Who knows? I really don't know about that. But if you look ahead to next year and you get Watts to return, because I think for me he's the linchpin, whether Hauser comes back or not, um, if he is capable of dipping a toe into the NBA waters and possibly going, I think Watts is the key linchpin. And even if Bates does or does not reclassify, I think with what you have coming in with Christie and Brooks and Aikens, possibly Boache as well if he reclassified. I mean, what you have kind of that's getting a little bit older already on the roster, I think it's really a look ahead. This year is kind of that what can you give to us, what can we build on, and then if Watts does return for the next season for his junior year, I think it's really chips all in the middle of the table. This is Izzo's year to get it, especially if Bates. I mean, if Bates comes, you're a full-on national the lead national championship contender and it's really natty or busted it is i i promise we will be in that uh pool in about 15 seconds with the 2021 i can't wait to talk to you about that because i know as much as you do about what we see in front of us uh you know day to day you kick my ass up and down winchester court when it comes to the recruiting angle you just know way more than me and i think that's really where you shine. I want to get to that. Just finishing up the Izzo thing. Yeah. I think I agree with you entirely. I, I think I, I, I could have written my name on, on your opinion and just signed it. I think I, I love him no matter what. Never going to uh, hate him. Never going to have anything but love for Tom Izzo. But I think you have to get that second title, especially because of the timing of the first one. Where he, a long time ago. It was a long time Look ago. Look at the Big Ten. The Big Ten is going through a huge drought right now. Yes. I think on an annual basis, they're the second or third best conference. You know, the ACC is typically the best one, but I mean, they're right there every year right behind them. And to not be able to get over the top someone, and particularly the, you know, the class of the league, which is us, and you can say what you want about beelines run and all the rest of it, the numbers are there. Michigan State's <laughs> the, the best team in the conference. Right. I mean, and have been for the better part of 20 years. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, anyone that argues that, it's just like, it's just ridiculous. There's no, there's no number you can throw out there to really negate Michigan State's position uh, on that throne, in my opinion. I think it's objectively true that they've been the class of the conference. And I think people just find whatever they can to throw at them. I always, I always laugh when, you know, you do hear Michigan fans criticize the record in the Final Four, and it's like, at the end of the day, who's got the most recent national title? It's kind of like scoreboard on that alone. You're not hanging any banners either. Izzo, to me, ain't perfect. 
And the biggest complaint I've had with them, and again, we've been spoiled, you nailed that, mm. is that we're, we're just, we're the bridesmaid constantly on these the big recruits. The redheaded stepchild of the blue bloods. Constantly, yes. Mm. And it's like, I'm not, you're not going to get them all. Duke doesn't get them all. Kentucky doesn't get them all. But if there's a guy that like Duke really, really wants, let's, let's say there's five guys that they really, really, really want, they're going to get definitely at least one, maybe two or three. And, you know, the others will go to Kentucky or Kansas or wherever. Michigan State has gone 0 for 5 on, like, those groupings of five guys repeatedly. Or 1 for 5 if they're happy. You it's changed know. a little bit, though. Let's talk about that. Right. What a perfect segue. Before we get into that, I want to say really quickly a big thank you to our sponsor. It is uh, one of the coolest companies that uh, is, is out there right now. It's called the Michigan Pedor. I can't wait to get back on the, these bikes. They're so cool. I did it in Chicago. I, I went to law school in Chicago, and uh, it's those like pedal bars. Have you ever been on one of those, David? I have, yeah. They are sweet, and if you look them up, just Google them. You don't have to take my word for it. Just Google Michigan Pedor. They have like 500 reviews on Google, 4.92 rating or something crazy. Uh, they are the best at doing what they do. It's a fun thing to begin with, and they're the best at it. Highly recommend it. They have been a big supporter of the show, and we appreciate them. So, David, maybe as a, a thank you for your time, I'll have uh, have you join me on the bike whenever right. COVID calms down a little bit. But, All right, beers yeah. on me. That's beers, on, beers on you. The Michigan Peddler, check them out. They're also on social media, at MIPeddler, michiganpeddler.com. Highly recommend. They're awesome, and thanks to them for their support. Let's get back to 2021. The topic that might have uh, me taking a cold shower after this because it gets me too excited. I'm not to make you uncomfortable, David, <laughs> but I, I don't normally geek out on the recruiting stuff because mm-hmm. two reasons. One, so often they flop, especially in football. Basketball, it's a lower bus rate. It's just easier to project. There's fewer variables at play. Great. So, but there is a high bus rate in general. But mostly because of the aforementioned status as the redheaded stepchild, the bridesmaid, not the bride, the nanny, not the wife. I, I am, I, I've been kicked in the nuts so many times, as has the rest of Spartan Nation. But that's not the case in 2021. I'm going to get excited because I think there's a very good chance that we check all the boxes. I know you have all the commitments. Mm-hmm. They checked all the commitments. Run down the list of the guys. I mean... Let's start with this. Okay. People are going to expect me to start with Imani Bates. I'm not right. going to start with Imani yeah. Bates, and I'm going to tell you why. You said that Jaden Aiken, the mm-hmm. point guard out of Farmington Hills, is the most important get in that class. Not, yeah. that he's, not that he's necessarily the best player, but he was the most important target that they got in that group. Am I misquoting you? Is that no, accurate? It's not. Tell me why. So, Jaden Aiken's obviously playing the lead guard spot, point guard spot, 6'3, lefty. Super springy, the ability to create off the bounce. If you look at this class in particular, the number of guys that he got capable of scoring at three levels and creating their own shot off the dribble, there's just been not a ton of guys that have come through the program like that. He landed three of them in this class, and potentially, if you look at you know Bates, that's four if you would classify this. Jaden Akins for me has the potential upside to be a really special player. I don't say that about everyone, um, but I think that with his physical package, with his handle, with the ability to run the break for Michigan State, which I think he's just going to excel at so much, um, he really, really has such tremendous upside. And I'm not sure exactly what his role will be that year one, but I really think that if he hangs in, and I think he's a three-year guy, that's my, that's my opinion of it. I think the first year, you know, he kind of transitions. The second year, he takes a real step. And then that third year, he has potential for a Big Ten player of the year, you know, possible lottery pick. I mean, that might be a little bit of stretch to say this far on. Um, The level of competition that he's been playing at Farmington High School, he actually just joined the Yipsy Prep team with Bates. So he's going to get to play a national schedule. I think we're going to see him play a little higher. Um, I can't remember exactly where he's landing. He's a top 70 kid right now. To me, he projects way more as a top 40 to 50 kid. So one of those guys where you'd say is just a step off from, you know, that two and done type, that five-star type kid who's going to stick in the program. He's going to need to put on a little bit of weight, I think. Um, But once he gets to that spot physically, his gifts 
um, basketball skill set wise and then athletically given are just so great. So great. Do you do you see him at like a the high bar? But do you see him in kind of a Kalen Lucas, Cassius Winston level? I mean, I would put Winston ahead of Lucas, but is he uh, potentially in that stratosphere or is he, you know, maybe a step down more into like a slightly better Travis Price in terms of impact, not style or anything like that? It's tough because they're such different players. You know, Cash played at his own speed and kind of controlled the pace. Um, in terms of impact, though, yeah. not in terms of style, yeah. or but like so their junior, their influence on the program's success. Junior year, when I see him get into the upper class here, to me, he's a guy that can lead you to a Big Ten championship, can lead you to a Final Four. Like I think that he has that makeup. He's a little bit more of a quieter leader. He's not as vocal, so he has a little bit of that cash side. I went and saw him play live a couple times this last year. I like the way that he carries himself. Um, he's extremely calm under pressure. Uh, we had a game where he was playing the number one team in the state. It was Ultra Lake St. Mary's. Dewan Howard had just recently gotten hired at Michigan. He was in the building. Dwayne Steven was in the building. It was packed. Um, he was going up against a couple guys that are going to play D1. Lauren Bowman, um, as well as Julian Roper. Um, one's going to Wisconsin. The other's going to Northwestern. And he was getting blanketed a little bit. And he doesn't have a, he didn't have a great team. Um, but I didn't ever see him get flustered out there. I think that he didn't force any bad shots, which I think is important. A guy that, you know, kind of is projected as that lead guard and he didn't have a whole lot of help around him. See him just coming out and jacking shots all the time. So I like his demeanor. I think that he I think he really projects as one of the next great Michigan State players. He's one of those guys that I have been high on for a long time. I was super thrilled to land in the class. I think that if he would have landed at Michigan, I would have been pretty devastated about that. I do think it was a two-horse race. Um, and I think that, you know, maybe we'll touch on that briefly, but for Izzo to go after the two in-state kids that he wanted, was Pierre Brooks and Jaden Akins, and to land both of them after Howard had come in and we kind of heard the chatter from the Michigan fan base, oh, Howard's going to come in, he's changing the dynamic, all the rest of it, to lay down the state lines and say, these are the two kids I want and I got them both. I think that is huge. But all around to kind of wrap up the Jaden Aikens thoughts, I think he's going to be a great, great player for Michigan State. He's a guy that can play on or off the ball. He's a shot maker. He's just a guy that Michigan State and Tom Izzo has really never had. They haven't. I think think you nailed that response in a number of ways. And the biggest thing is that comparison to Winston that I see there almost organically, where both guys are four stars, not bona fide top 10 hot shot recruits, but at the same time, they're those four stars that like everybody knows is going to be better than a lot of the five star kids. I don't know what the phenomenon is in recruiting. We've seen guys that, like that over the years where like Winston, people forget Winston is a good recruit. I mean, he he was, I think, a top 40 guy, mm-hmm. but he was not like a, a bona fide five star across the board guy. And that's the similarity I see with Aikens. He's a little higher rated than Aikens, but both, in my opinion, seem to be a two horse race where it was Michigan and Michigan State for those guys. A lot of similarities there. That calm they seem to have about them. I think they're so important. I don't know what the point guard situation is going to look like. That's my these things always work themselves out. I wouldn't say I'm concerned, but I'm curious yeah. if you're just projecting ahead. If Rocket Watts is still here his junior year, it might yeah. be a good thing if he's not because that would mean he blew up. But if he if he is still in the fold, now you have uh, Hogard. Am I saying that right? Hogard. Then you have uh, obviously um, you know Watts and Aikens. Mm-hmm. So it's. Uh, I don't know what that looks like if you're doing here. You have yeah. three point guards if Watts play the two, but yeah, I think ideally you would try to move Watts off the ball if you're capable. But with everything coming in that class, you look at Watts, Christie, Bates. You'd have probably a senior year Brown. Um, there's just there's so many guys that can play make for you. So whether Watts is the point guard per se or not, I think that you have several different guys that will be able to have the ball in their hands kind of initiate the offense. So I wouldn't be so worried about the position. Um, I do like A.J. Hogarth quite a bit. I dove into the film a little bit more on him when I wrote that deeper dive article on him. And I think that he also is a true and natural point. Um, so when we're looking at Aikens and Hogarth, typically what you want to do is you space out your point guards You know, every two years. Part of that issue is we really don't know what we're going to get out of a lawyer, and so we kind of had to speed up that process. Well, hold on. I, I hate interrupting. We know what we're getting out of a lawyer. <laughs> it, 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 it ain't much. 
Come on. I well, I don't want to start this debate with you because we've had it a couple on, times dude. on Twitter. We're not, I'm not going to start you're, you're it. Gonna, gonna you're start putting it. the bat yeah. down already? God, we didn't make it half an hour and you're putting the sword <laughs> down. I but, Okay, I just, for the record, yeah. I know we're not going to get anything out of him. You can disagree. Right. I'm saying at the but, point guard position, asking him to initiate the offense, I don't, you know, that to me does not seem like it's likely to happen. With the reclassifications, you know, there's going to be some roster attrition if that actually happens, if Bates actually comes. So who knows what will happen in that situation. Um, obviously, a couple guys would have to migrate off of the roster. So we'll, we'll leave that be. But I actually think that there would be some benefit for Aikens to play with a guy like Watts to go against a guy like Watts at practice. Um, Hogard is a little bit of a slower change of pace. I like his half-court ability. I think he's a guy that's going to be able to play really well in the role. He's a guy that likes getting downhill. He's a kind of a big body bruiser. He gets into the paint and is actually a little bit more athletic than what I think given his size, which is a little stockier. And he's a guy that gets in the paint and looks for teammates. Akins is more of a score first guy. So I really see those guys actually playing off together where, you know, you want to get the ball out to Akins in transition, but then maybe in the half court when you're slowing it down, you move him off the ball to give him a chance to be able to kind of the wing spot so I think they actually complement each other pretty well um, so I don't think necessarily you might have one year where it's a little bit of a log jam Watts is not staying more than three years we'll be lucky to have him I really hope that he comes back for year three but if he doesn't like you said it's because he absolutely went ham and he blew up and had a great year so that's which we'll take we will take that we'll take it yeah um, but all around, I think, you know, the way that you're looking at that point guard spot, I think you've got to be really excited about both A.J. Hogarth. And the team is just loaded. And the big question, I have been told without equivocation that Amani Bates is never going to suit up at Michigan yeah. State. I, and I think what you're seeing is a whole lot of wishful thinking, informed somewhat perhaps, but mostly wishful thinking from people that don't like Michigan State and are terrified at the prospect of Amani Bates ever suiting up. I happen to think we will see him at Michigan State. No one knows for sure. I don't think Imani Bates knows for sure himself. I don't think anyone knows. But in your opinion, you're a smart guy. You follow the program. You know your shit. Do we see Imani Bates in East Lansing? I'd say there's a better than 50% chance that we see him. I already hinted at the reclassification. The way that the rules... Oh, thank you. That's our producer, Ben, uh, by the way. New producer, Ben. Get a little closer there. Yeah, no problem. The way that the rules are set up, he technically can't actually enter the NBA draft until a couple years. So you actually would have to, even if you reclassify, you would have to stay two. Did they change that for him? I don't know. I mean, I think that they're getting to the point where there's been some chatter about kind of rechanging that rule. They're trying to keep and ensure that high-level talent is staying. We saw it with RJ Hampton, who went and played in New Zealand, um, was projected to kind of be a top-five kid. He decided not to play for Kansas. He went to New Zealand to play. And then now you see this G League Academy, which is kind of a one-off of what the league is, where it's almost a training academy. They're going to get these guys, you know, proper coaching, schooling, and kind of a stopover before the league. And that's partially to ensure that guys stay in the States and don't have to leave. So could the G League throw a million plus at Amani? Yes, he could. But would it be good for Amani's brand to play a single year at Michigan State? Absolutely. We saw it with Zion Williamson. The choice to stay in school made him the largest rookie shoe contract in the history of the NBA basketball with Nike. I I can't emphasize that enough. He was a YouTube legend. He was a top three, top four pick. One year playing at Duke and being plastered on ESPN from coast to coast and the highlights made him a legend. It made him a brand. He branded himself by spending one year at Duke. And Imani Bates can absolutely do the same thing. And I think that that's somewhat underrated. I think that his dad was kind of leading his, um, you know, leading his pack, leading his um, group of advisors is very aware of that. So I think part of him deciding to go on ESPN to announce the school while simultaneously committing to Michigan State, very smart marketing idea. You know, he's having this school where maybe he's not getting much knowledge. Now there's national press on it. So whether he plays a year or not, you know, I'm, I'm going to be cautiously optimistic, but I really think that if he reclassifies, it makes sense for him to play at least one year. I think the NBA could very well change that rule to get him to come in a year earlier. 
Um, but I think that there's a pretty high probability that if he reclassifies, he will spend a year in, and who knows what will happen then. <laughs> I mean, it, I'm like 70-30 that he's going to be here. I, and I don't know how we're going to get to that point, but that's where I'm at. I, yeah. I just It just seems like for all the reasons you laid out. And I'm so glad you brought up the Zion Williamson-Duke thing because it, people look at it as like this binary issue. They just look right past a huge factor, and that is the branding. And people use the word and they throw out branding. It's probably the most overused term, but in this case, it's spot on. It, it's appropriately used. Zion Williamson, if he had just gone, uh, you know, even look at like LaMelo, you know, uh, overseas, playing overseas. Right. LaMelo Ball. There's, there's buzz about him. He's going to be a top pick, but he doesn't have the type of, uh, of smoke that he would have if he had gone to Kansas or Duke or Kentucky and was just, you know, dropping behind the back passes all over the court and, and you know, played in a Final Four or an Elite Eight or whatever it may be. And that is so valuable. I think it's a lot more valuable than that one year in the G League that you talked about. And I, is Michigan State at Duke's level in terms of branding, like nationally? Very, very close. Maybe not quite there. That's arguable. I, I, I do believe Duke pulls a little higher ratings on the national level. But it is an elite brand. And I think that is the thing that no one's really factored in or not enough people are factoring into the, the calculus on that. I think he's coming in, assuming that he does. Let's say that you know I'm at 70%. You're at somewhere between 51 and 100. So let's say he comes. Everyone else comes as planned. Christy doesn't back out. They all sign their letters of intent. You have five guys that do reclassifications in 2021. The thing that I've always said is, again, this is Tom Izzo, uh, first world problems in terms of sports fans. But I always wanted to see that one year where Michigan State was like 36 and two. We saw a couple, you know, five, six loss seasons. I think Michigan State probably had the worst ever 30 and five team the year they like. Yeah. If you look at, they basically, a couple years ago, Jaron Jackson's team that lost to Syracuse. As impressive as their record was, they were basically like... Big Ten was a little watered down that year. It was terrible. Yeah, and was you looked at like their good opponents, they were 500. Like they, yeah. their, good, their good opponents, they were like a 6-5 and five or something. But whatever it was, this team has a chance to legitimately be like 36-2, and 35-3, that type of thing that we've never seen before. Assuming they all fall into place, there's no catastrophic injuries. That team is the prohibitive favorite to win the national title. Are they not even as freshmen? It's got to be. I mean, it's got to be. And I'd have to look and see kind of what the other classes. Duke is starting to put together a really nice class for 21. Um, they just landed uh, Pablo Benchero. There's a couple other guys, high-level guys, kind of in the top 10, top 15 that are considering them. So we'll have to see how that all shakes out. But I think that if you look at the complement of veterans as well as NBA talent that could potentially be on the roster, I don't think that it's hyperbole to say that it will be the best roster that he ever has if Bates joins it. And assuming who's sixth round, like let's say Joey Hauser is still on that team, mm -hmm. which is very possible. Yep. I mean, you know, I would say at least 40, 50% chance Hauser's still around. Mm -hmm. A lot of people seem to think he's like definitely gone after a year. I, I don't think so. But like you imagine all those five guys are there. And Hauser's still there. I don't think Rocket will still be there, but he might be. It's a decent chance. I mean, this team has the potential to be the best team in Michigan State basketball history. Finally get that second title. Where I'm going with this is this. Tom Izzo, I think we got him until his son graduates. I think that it would be weird for him to leave with his son still in school and on the team. My theory is that if we check those two boxes where his son graduates, and he gets that second national title that he has done. Hope I'm wrong. Hope he never quits. Matt McQuaid sat in the chair you're in now and said he's going to be like the Supreme Court. He's going to die on the bench. He, <laughs> he, he said, and I, he was only half kidding. He's yeah. like, he, does it, he said that fire burns as hot as ever. Where do you see him long term? Am I crazy to think that Tom Izzo's good chance he's done if they get that second title and Steven's on his way? You know, he graduates and he walks. It feels to me like every year we hear in the offseason, that he, guys, ah, stoke that fire again. It's, yeah. it's fresh. I mean, he says it every single year. I think he's, you know, it reminds me almost of like a Michael Jordan where he invents ways to be able to challenge himself again, and he just has that passion and the fire that burns deep. Um, I do think that 
the way that he coaches has taken a toll on him physically and just mentally. How, how could it not otherwise? He gives 110% all the time. So if he's capable of reaching that pinnacle and, and getting it, I think, yeah, maybe, maybe four or five years is it. But if he doesn't, could he hang on longer? Yeah, I I just think until he really reaches that second goal, he's he, he would he would go to the grave somewhat unsatisfied if he doesn't get it. And if he gets it, could I see him say like, okay, you know, like the job is done. You know, I promised these kids I would see it through to X years, another year or two, and finish this out. Yeah, so I, that's really tough for me to say. I, I think it really depends if he wins it. If he doesn't. Then could he stretch it a little longer until he tries to accomplish that? Yes. But if he gets it, I, I'm with you where maybe he gets it in the next couple of years, Steven graduates and he's like, you know, I want to be potentially a grandfather if if, if yep. his daughter has, you know, kids in the future or Which I want to travel. Married, I think. Yeah. yeah. I want to travel or it's time to start, you know, really focusing on my family. I've sacrificed all this to a certain point and I've I've accomplished everything that I've wanted to accomplish. And I don't know if he can say that until he gets that second title. So it'll be very interesting to see. And, and the transition of where they'll go next for the coach, I think, is a fa- fascinating question, too. I, that is one of the craziest times. It'll be surreal when we land in that, in that mm-hmm. time, when you're looking for the replacement for Tom Izzo. It'll be interesting to see if they give him significant say in that. Mm-hmm. I, I have some fears about that, and that's a, a big topic for a different day. Yeah, I agreed. I do it's have a whole, that's a whole conversation. We don't even want to go. We're already like up against it here. I promise yeah. not to keep you that long. But uh, man, I, I I hope I hope that they do a national search and don't just you know give it to one of the assistants. Mm-hmm. If the, one of the assistants is the best for the job, great. But I hope it, it is a qualified uh, process. That's all I'll say. But I I, I just I gotta say I think. Uh, what you're doing with your website is great. I think that there was a hole in the market for what you're doing at the level that you're doing it. I think your analysis is higher end than a lot of what's out there. I think uh, for my money, you're the best at what you do in the Michigan State space. My friend Anthony Wright, I think is the best in the Michigan space. I appreciate what you do. I think you're great at it. I think people should check you out if they haven't already. You're doing great work. Uh, I'm just selfishly, I, I love what you're doing. I think you're giving people access to something that they didn't really have access to before. You've taken it to a next level with the high school uh, recruiting and especially what a time for you to spread your wings with this new venture. Michigan State's as hot as ever. I can't believe that Tom Izzo is in year like 40 up there if you count the assistant years. And he's somehow at his peak in terms of his his power. Never been better. It was insane, right? We launched in... You know, he lands all these five-star recruits. We get the class put together. Uh, it's, yeah, a, it's it was unbelievable timing. He did you a solid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like oh, this guy's starting a website yeah. that's largely focused on recruiting. I'll just deliver five right. gift boxes to your to your porch. But yeah. so I just big fan of what you do, man. Yeah. Uh, I, I appreciate the, you know you coming out, and I, I hope to have you again, especially with basketball coming back at some point uh, before we all die. Absolutely. Um, so uh, it was a pleasure having you, and uh, you know, yeah, I, thank you very much. And I'm just gonna plug myself real quick. I was gonna so, say, yeah, please, yeah. yeah, tell tell us so how to find www.spartanhoops.com. The Twitter tag is at Wander Spartan. I'm gonna have to maybe eventually change that into something a little easier because people are time. And your Twitter well. handle will be on the screen too. Yeah, throughout I appreciate this interview. that. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, and we have something. I was able to do uh, an interview with Maddie Sissoko. Oh, yeah, all I right. just did that on Monday. Um, he's a dog. He's a, a dog in waiting. What a journey from where he came from Molly to now. Um, I thought it was going to be a 20 minute conversation, just kind of touching on some basketball stuff. And it ended up being an hour conversation. He's one of the most unique and interesting. See, I don't know his met. story. So yeah. I'm going to check yours out. Okay. Yeah. I, I just put together a little bit. Brendan Quinn touched on it in the athletic, his original article for it. Um, and I tried to, I wanted to try to build on that and just get a better understanding of where he came from. and and how we landed here now, which it's absolutely fantastic. I have nothing but good things to say about him. I think he's going to be a special human being, and he's, he's going to be an NBA player one day. And, and what he's going to be able to do for his family and his community once he reaches those level, and what he said that he wants to do is just it's unbelievable. So 
I'm hoping uh, it's going to take me a little time to type all that up, um, but I'm looking forward to getting that out. I'm hoping maybe sometime uh, next week. So the end of next week. It's tough because you and I both do stuff other than what we're yeah. doing right now. It's this like, is the side hustle right yeah, now. If right. I can make it to full time one day, that'd be great. Yeah, so. that'd be ideal. And then these yeah. things will be out same day. But yeah, I mean, just what you're doing with that. I, I just, yeah. I, I sincerely love what you're doing. I, you know, I, I tend to give everyone a pat on the back that comes in here because if I invite you on, it's because I respect you. I do. I appreciate what you're bringing to the yeah. space. Thank you so. so much for having me. I really appreciate it. My so. pleasure. Our pleasure. Uh, it was great having you. And please do come back when the world starts. Yeah, we'll down. do it. We'll do it. Check Hopefully them out. We're winning some games, basketball yeah. games. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> please check out my guy, David Klein, uh, gracious enough to join us in the Spiro Avenue studios for episode four of the new format. We're having a blast. I think we've uh, brought in some great people so far. We're going to stay hot. Uh, he's not on mic, but sitting next to me, you may have uh, seen him pop his head in. We got my man, Ben, who is our new uh, producer. Roberto in his pajamas at home, still the executive producer. Uh, looking forward to working with both of them. Our team is growing. Uh, thank you to everyone that's checked out our first few episodes. I can't wait to see the numbers on this one, but we have had uh, 10,000 or more views on each show so far. So an outstanding debut uh, for, for you guys and then the support you're showing us. We appreciate it. We're trying to carve out our own little uh, niche here in the same way that the Spartan Hoops guys are over there. So uh, thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for being part of uh, what we're doing here. We appreciate it. Uh, we're looking at locking up John U. Bacon for Friday. I'm looking forward to that whenever it happens. Probably the best journalist on the University of Michigan side in terms of just uh, classic journalism. Uh, New York Times bestseller. If you're a Michigan fan, you probably know who he is. Uh, so he's probably going to be in studio on Friday. We'll see. We're going to lock that up. Wherever you are, however you've been listening. We do appreciate you making us part of your day. Thanks to Roberto in his boxers, on the couch as always. One day we'll get him in the studio in the flesh. This has been the Spiro Avenue Show. Thank you. We'll see you later this week. Take care now. Be safe out there.